welcome everybody to this hour of worship with Faith Christian Reformed Church here in Elmhurst, Illinois. I want to welcome everybody who's here present in the sanctuary physically, and I also want to welcome everybody who's joining in through live stream as well as those who are going to be joining in at a later time uh, through the various platforms that we provide as a church for our worship services. As of this, this Sunday, as of today, uh, we're, we're suspending evening worship in the fellowship hall and instead going back to providing uh, those meditations um, from the pastors on YouTube that you can use for a second service sermon if you would like. Um, this Thursday is Thanksgiving Day, and as you might know, we're not meeting physically as we usually do. Instead, we're providing a previous year's Thanksgiving service as well as um, a new Thanksgiving 2020 scripture meditation. So both of those are going to be uploaded late on Wednesday. And if you subscribe to our email list, you'll get that information when it's up and get the links. And the service, the previous service is there if you want to enjoy our usual Thanksgiving choir and orchestra and hymns. Uh, the whole service is up, but then we also have a new meditation for this year's Thanksgiving. Okay? Um, also, just as a heads up, it's looking more and more likely that we're going to be suspending morning worship after this Sunday. So we'll keep you posted on that um, and, and what's going on, okay? As always, um, keep up with the church family, whether through a physical bulletin or one online, uh, with giving updates, service, and ministry opportunities, um, items for prayer and praise that you can keep in mind in the church family, okay? So we just encourage you to, to stay up with things this way. We're also um, excited about a baptism this morning. Uh, Kayla and Nathan's young one, Madeline Ray. And I want to give a special welcome to the Medell family members who could be here this morning as we, as a church family, celebrate God's grace. And what a blessing that you can be here as your family, too, in our worship today. Let me see if there's anything else. No, our call to worship is going to be a song. Really, it's a song of Thanksgiving. And with Thanksgiving week this week, uh, that's going to be a theme in our service a bit. Um, we're going to sing as we start our call to worship. Um, let's stand to do that, okay? All three verses. We praise you, O God, our Redeemer, Creator.
please receive this greeting from the Lord while you remain standing. And then immediately after that, we're going to sing a couple more songs of praise. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord through the working of his Holy Spirit. Amen.
Like I'd mentioned uh, earlier, we're celebrating baptism today, which is a great joy for the family of the, the little baby being baptized, and it's a great joy for our whole faith church family. In obedience to Jesus' command, the church celebrates the sacrament of baptism. It's not something we thought might be a nifty idea, and we didn't make it up, but Jesus commands it in his word. And this is what his word says about it. Baptism is the sign and seal of God's promises to his covenant people. In baptism, God promises by grace alone to forgive our sins, to adopt us into the body of Christ, the church, to send the Holy Spirit daily to renew and cleanse us, and to resurrect us to eternal life. This promise is made visible in the water of baptism. Water cleanses, water purifies, it refreshes, it sustains. Jesus Christ is the living water. And through baptism, Christ also calls us to new obedience, to love and trust God completely, to forsake the evil of the world, and to live a new and holy life. Yet when we fall into sin, we must not despair of God's mercy or continue in sin. For baptism is the sign and seal of God's eternal covenant of grace with us. Acts 2 verse 39 tells us the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. Would you join me as we ask God's blessing on... Um, the vows, and on the baptism in just a few minutes. We thank you, O God, for our baptism into Christ's death and resurrection. We know that in the beginning, your spirit moved over the waters, and you created everything that is seen and unseen. In the time of Noah, you destroyed evil in the water of the flood, and by your saving ark, you gave a new beginning. In the night of trouble, you led Israel through the sea, out of slavery into the freedom of the promised land. In the water of the Jordan, our Lord Jesus was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. In the baptism of Christ's death and resurrection, you have set us free, O God, from sin and death and opened up the way to eternal life. May Christ, who sank deep into death and was raised up Lord of life, keep us and our little ones in the grip of his hand. May your spirit separate us from sin and mark us with a faith that can stand the light of day and endure the dark of night. To you be all honor and glory, dominion and power, now and forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Nathan and Kayla, would you come forward at this time? She's awake now. Since you are presenting Madeline for holy baptism, you're asked to answer the following questions before God and before his people. First, did you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior 
accept the promises of God and affirm the truth of the Christian faith which is proclaimed in this church of Christ? Second, do you believe that your child, though sinful in nature, though she looks like an angel, is received by God in Christ as a member of his covenant and therefore that she ought to be baptized? Third, do you promise in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community to do all in your power to instruct her in the Christian life and faith and to lead her by your example to be Christ's disciples? Nathan and Kayla, what is your answer? Amen. Congregation, um, I ask you to respond with that same answer to this question saying we do, God helping us. Congregation, do you promise to receive this child in love, pray for her, help instruct her in the faith, and encourage and sustain her in the fellowship of believers? What is your answer? We do, God helping us. Our Lord said, let the little children come unto me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Madeline Ray Medell, I baptize you into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> she good? <laughs> what I wanted to share with you, Nathan and Kayla, um, on this occasion is something from the liturgy of the French Reformed Church. This is for Madeline, for all of you, but it's directed right to Madeline. goes back a number of centuries. Listen to this. For you, little child, Jesus has come. He has fought. He has suffered. For you, he entered the shadow of Gethsemane and the horror of Calvary. For you, he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you, he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, and there he intercedes for you. All of this was done for you, little one, though you do not know any of this yet. But we will continue to tell you this good news until it becomes your own. And so the promise of the gospel is fulfilled. We love him because he first loved us. Amen? We're going to sing in response. Um, let's stand to do that, and you guys can be seated. And let's pray. Lord, our God, forever faithful to your promises, we thank you for assuring us again that you will receive us and forgive us as children in Christ. Grant wisdom and love uh, to the parents and to us all as we carry out the vows that we've just made. We pray that you will govern our children 
Father, by your Spirit and, and guide them through their lives. Help them see your fatherly goodness which surrounds us all and enable them to respond in faith to Jesus Christ, our chief teacher, eternal king, and only high priest. Give them strength to fight sin and endure trials. And when Christ returns, let them celebrate with all the people of God your greatness and your goodness forever in the joy of your new creation. In the meantime, we pray that you would bless all your children, all your people everywhere, in whatever circumstance they find themselves. Bless your church here at Faith. Uh, we continue to pray for Annette Klein in hospice care, as well as Dorothy Allen facing surgery soon. We think of others in different stages of recovery, others in constant state of pain or ill health of some kind. We thank you, O oh God, this Sunday for the life of Dr. Dirk Berksma, and we pray for all those who are grieving his passing away, especially we pray for his wife, Doris, for his family members and all his friends. Thank you so much that he could spend these last years as a member of Faith CRC and that he could bless us with his presence, his kind and encouraging words, and his teaching and preaching that without fail brought us to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and our great need for him. We pray for our church family as we uh, continue to deal with COVID-19. Um, we pray especially that you continue to give um, our leaders, our elders, and deacons, and pastors great wisdom. We lift up in particular this morning those elders and deacons recently installed to a new term of service that uh, in everything that they're called to do, you would give them strength, you'd give them courage, uh, you'd give them confidence, not in themselves, but in your Holy Spirit, Lord, and in your word. We think, too, of Council's reopening team and uh, their weekly meetings and discussions that they would do what's, what's best. Um, we, we think also for those who have tested or will test positive for the virus. We pray for healing in those cases. We pray as a church family for health care workers, for first responders who are dealing with this crisis up close. We pray for teachers and students, businesses, that you would sustain us, Lord, heal the sick, encourage us as we're all advised to stay home, as well as those who are more permanently homebound in our church family and cannot really see their loved ones much, if at all, these days. Bless the needy in our midst and everywhere by your boundless grace and with your good gifts. Nourish and refresh us, O Lord, in this continued time of worship. And, and we prayed in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Just a little offering update. Um, we continue to give thanks for the incredible faithful giving of the church family for these months, these times of, of challenge. A couple ways to give back coming up besides um, weekly offerings and weekly worship and line giving and so forth is that with our Thanksgiving service, uh, we also have a Thanksgiving offering as a faith church family. And this year, near the back, with the back inside of the bulletin um, that you could, you may have grabbed, it gives a list of the usual ministries that we give to as a faith church family. So you're really encouraged as a way of showing your thanks to God for his blessings to you uh, to give back this week. I think it says in the bulletin, a number of Sundays, the deacons will be receiving these offerings, so you can take this off, fill it out, and, uh, and send it in, or drop it in the boxes that we're using now for giving, okay? Um, the Ebenezer Christmas gifts, Ebenezer CRC is in Berwyn, um, a sister congregation, and we have an opportunity again this year, and the details are in the bulletin, to provide um, gifts and it says, it specifies how you can do that, gives recommendations of what and how to give them for needy families in that community, okay? So a couple of, a myriad of ways that 
that we can give thanks and give to the Lord. We're going to sing right now another song of thanksgiving. Um, let's stand to do that, okay? We're continuing our reading of the story, the account of Joseph, late in the book of Genesis. And we're up to Genesis 41, beginning at verse 41, reading through to the end of the chapter, which is verse 57. Let me pray. Oh Lord, we're thankful for the, the joy of being in worship, of, of being reminded and assured of your love for us in baptism and the blessing of that and the blessing of singing out to you, uh, the blessing of praying to you as a church family and that you hear us and that you answer us and we pray for your deep blessing on our church family, on each household represented in our church family your blessing now in a very special way on the reading and the hearing of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's listen to God's holy and infallible word. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and men shouted before him, Make way! And thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath-Paneah and gave him Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of An to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. During the seven years of abundance, the land produced plentifully. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much 
Then he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Then the second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end, and the seven years of famine began, just as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the other lands, but in the whole land of Egypt there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food, and then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. When the famine had spread over the whole country, Joseph opened the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe in all the world. So, brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we did not read any dreams in our reading today, but... There are a lot of dreams in the account of Joseph that we've been reading together. And dreams can be strange things. As a family, uh, and maybe you guys, some of you do this too, um, you know, if we have like a, a weird or scary dream, we'll share them with each other. And some of them are pretty, pretty, pretty crazy, huh? Pretty weird. They say that dreams mostly occur during a particular part of our sleep pattern, which is REM, rapid eye movement, um, and, and our mind somehow cobbles together past and recent experiences, it seems like, right, from what we see and hear in our dreams. Anybody have recurring dreams? I have a few. One is that um, they say that more people have is that um, my one tooth gets loose, and then the rest of them all, get, and I'm losing them all, and it's just a terrible feeling. It's just the worst. Anybody else have the losing their teeth dream? Supposedly, it means we're fearful of losing those close to us, which probably is true, but I don't know if that's accurate. There's also a, a recurring dream I have where I'm running late, like for worship or for a meeting, like, it's time to start. I'm still putting my shoes on, my socks, my belt. Um, another one that I have is that more often is that I have a test coming up that um, I didn't prepare for at all. And, and I wake up and I remember uh, my school days are over and I'm so relieved. <laughs> it's traumatic what teachers do to us apparently in our youth preparing for these tests. They say that, that babies don't have clear dreams until like age two, but they're not totally certain about that. I don't even know. I'm sure, I know there's a science of, of studying dreams and people can figure stuff out, but they even admit we're not 100% sure about that. Uh, but in my expert opinion, I think if, if Madeline does have dreams, it's of her mother and her father of milk and of warm blankets and maybe flashes of her grandparents and and uncles and aunts we've looked at three sets of two dreams now in the joseph account um the first set of two was when joseph was 17 and he had one dream was the sun, moon, and stars bowing down before him. And the second dream was sheaves of grain, like sheaves of wheat in the field, also bowing before him. Then we had the two dreams, one of the butler and one of the, the cupbearer that Joseph interpreted in prison. And then last Sunday, we read uh, the two strange dreams that Pharaoh, king of Egypt, had. Um, and, and these dreams in the Joseph account are not like our typical dreams. Not like our typical dreams. These dreams were God's revelation. 
These dreams were actually God's word. And we know right before God's word was, was written, God did that more often. He spoke to Moses. He spoke to the prophets. He spoke in visions and he spoke in dreams. I believe that God certainly can still do that today. And I think that he does sometimes, but not regularly because we have his word, the scriptures, which we know is all that we need for salvation and for this life. But if he ever, he can do it, and, and, and if he ever does speak to someone in a dream, it would never contradict anything in his written word. And if ever, anyone ever says to you, God spoke to me in my dream, and he wants you to do such and such, I'd be very, very suspicious. But I believe that he can and, and does sometimes give his children direction or encouragement in dreams. And when he does that, there's a clarity that's unlike normal dreams that we have that right, tend to be kind of jumbled and have these bizarre details. There was a famous Reformed pastor in the 1600s, and in his biography, he writes that God called him to pastoral ministry in a dream that he had. When I was um, like six or seven, I was very sure that I had a dream that Jesus came and spoke to me in a dream. And I don't remember the exact words, but it was very clear that I saw Jesus and that what he said was extremely comforting. I shared that with, with my dad the next morning, and he thought the Lord very well might have done that. What we do know for sure is that these dreams in the Joseph stories are clearly revelation from God. Joseph was pulled up from prison to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. Uh, he could do it because God's spirit was upon that young man and gave him the ability. In the dreams of, of the seven fat and skinny cows and the seven full and thin heads of grain, God foretold that Egypt would experience seven years of bountiful crops and then seven years of severe famine. Joseph gave a suggestion on what to do based on that certain future. And then Pharaoh gave him the position of secretary of crops and made him his right-hand man. In our verses today, we read about Joseph being elevated to his new position and how he prepares Egypt for the dreams that he foretold. In the Joseph accounts, we've been seeing how our Heavenly Father always has his focus, especially on his family, on his people. And here, specifically, God's giving his family, he's giving us today, he's giving the people who read it back then and throughout all of time, a glimpse of his coming kingdom. And that's a tremendous encouragement, this glimpse of his kingdom in the midst of a wicked world, in the midst of troubling times, COVID, politics, personal challenges. In the midst of that, we gather as a congregation, ideally physically, but God is using virtual worship too to keep us, his people, his children, his family, his church. And we gather uh, to worship week by week. And every time we do, every time we do this, we're being given a glimpse of the kingdom of God. We're, we're pointed to the kingdom in, when we celebrate communion, in, when we sing, when we lift up our prayers, when we're reminded of God's promises, when we hear scripture, in, in the fellowship, in, in the community of believers, however we can manage that these days. And we are blessed, too, today to be reminded and assured of the kingdom in baptism this morning and how God, by grace alone, cleanses, saves, renews, sustains us, and calls us to bow the knee to the king of this kingdom in every area of our life as we put off the old more and more and put on the new life. All these glimpses, week by week by week, keep us going. 
They encourage us. They, they keep us moving in this sometimes very tough world. And there are a number of ways that God gives us a glimpse of his coming kingdom here. Uh, we see glimpses of the coming king, Jesus, the Messiah, who from the perspective of God's family in Old Testament times was still going to come in the future to save his people from their sin. And from our vantage point in history, of course, Jesus has already come, but he is coming yet again in all his fullness and glory at the end of time. So I want, I'm inviting you to, to join me to look at these glorious glimpses of King Jesus in our verses and of our Heavenly Father's kingdom. Everything we see here, everything we're given is for our encouragement, for our comfort, for our salvation in Jesus Christ, and to live for him. One, see the humility of the Messiah. Joseph humbled himself like Christ in his life before God's will, before God's timing, and before God's word. He, he, he waited on the father's perfect timing while he was in prison. And when inter interpreting the dreams that he did, he did that very humbly. They were acting, especially the, the people in Egypt, like he was some great magician or something or whatever. And he's like, guys, just so you know, the power to interpret dreams comes from my God. It's not me. Only God can do that. And, and so as far, and as far as we can tell, as he humbly did that, he humbly submitted to the cup of suffering that his heavenly father had for him in the pit, in slavery, in prison. And that all points us to Jesus who did the same when he left heaven to enter our world in the flesh. And then he suffered. And then he went to the cross in God's timing and always submitting to his father's perfect will. We also see the resolve of the Messiah. His resolve. Jesus humbled himself to walk this earth. He humbled himself before the Father's plan and will. But in that humility, in Jesus' life, there is a confidence, a clear purpose, a resolve the whole time. Jesus came and he he comes and he knows what he's come to do. Everything he does, even when he dies, it's on his terms. He has a mission. His eyes are on the cross. He's sharing the good news of the kingdom. He's calling people to enter into the kingdom, to come follow him. He gives signs of the kingdom through the many miracles. And he teaches kingdom values through the parables. Joseph, too, humbles himself before God's word, before God's will and plan, but yet he very confidently interprets the dreams. And he's so confident in that that he suggests that plan of how to respond to the seven years, plenty, seven years of famine. And he does that because he knows that God has chosen him to be his servant in a very special way. And so he conveys all along a poise, a resoluteness, even while he's humble before God. Third, we see the coming glory of the Messiah. And that's most of the glimpses in the verses we read. A couple of those other things I mentioned were just a little bit back a couple chapters. But mostly in our verses, we see the coming glory of the Messiah. Glimpses of the coming kingdom in terms of foreshadowings of Jesus' coming glory. Jesus was filled with his, the Spirit for his ministry. And even Pharaoh, and this is back in verse 38, so a little before we read, even Pharaoh acknowledges and remarks about even he, not a believer, can tell that the Spirit of God is in Joseph. When Jesus completed his ministry on earth, God elevated him, we read, to the highest place, to the right hand of the heavenly throne, to rule over all things. And jo Joseph points us to Jesus' elevation and ascension. We see him dressed in royal robes. A gold chain is put around his neck. He's made 
keeper of the, the royal seal. He rides around in a chariot. He's honored with this new Egyptian name. We're not exactly sure what it means, but it's something like he who is wise, or some people think it means God has spoken or God lives. He's blessed with a wife. He's blessed with two children. He's made ruler over upper and lower Egypt. He's second only to Pharaoh. He's brought up from a dark dungeon uh, to the light of day to this position, which reminds us of Jesus, risen from the dead, coming up out of the grave. Joseph was 30 here. When he was elevated, Jesus started his earthly ministry, we know, at age 30. So this glorious picture of Joseph getting all these honors is meant to point us to be a foreshadowing a picture of Jesus in the future, the king who would come. And really what happens to Joseph, and you can kind of see the, the joy and, and the celebration of it all, as much as it's really pretty amazing, it's just a pale, pale reflection of our King Jesus who came, who lived, who died and rose again and ascended to the throne to reign over all at the right hand of the Father and who's coming again one day in all his glory. We rightly focus on the cross as so central to our faith. But even as we give thanks for the humiliation and the suffering and the importance of that that Jesus went through to win us our salvation all the way to the cross, we don't, of course, worship a Savior still hanging on a cross. We worship a risen Savior. He's reigning in majesty and splendor. He transforms as he reigns our lives in every part. And, and he's going to return. And we're going to reign forever with him in a glory that we can't even imagine. And, and so we bow down and we worship and adore our glorious King Jesus, the Messiah. Fourth, see how he identifies with his people. We read that Joseph didn't just rule from the palace afar. Did you notice that? It, it, it says it twice, I think, to make sure we catch it. We read he went through the land of Egypt and then a couple verses later, it says the same thing sort of again. He traveled through the land in his chariot. It kind of reminds you of presidential candidates who go through the land. You know, they got to at least act like they care about the people and that they're among the people so people can meet them and see them up close. Um, and, and this is a picture here of Joseph, of Jesus showing his care for his people to the extent that Though God, he became one of us, right? He walked among the people, forgiving sins and teaching and healing. The Bible says he tabernacled among us, which means literally a tabernacle is a tent in the Old Testament. He's literally pitched his tent right here among us. He identifies with us in our frailty and in our weakness to save us from our sin, Though glorious, reigning over all, he cares for each one of us to the extent that from the right hand of God, he intercedes for us, his children. And, and that means we can bring him our burdens and our sins and that he cares. We don't have a glorious and reigning Savior far away who's unfamiliar with our weaknesses and our struggles our frailties, our temptations. Jesus knows us. He knows you. Jesus understands. He understands you. And he can identify with you and understand you because he came in the flesh to live among us and because his spirit is with his children, with his family, even as we speak here this morning. He is as we're going to see as we get closer to Christmas, that's getting around the corner too, he is, as he identifies with his people, he is God with us, Emmanuel, that may be the name we think of Jesus more than any other one during the Christmas season as he came to be born, Emmanuel, 
He is God with us. He associated with his people. Fifth, we see how the word of God cuts both ways. We saw that, maybe you remember, in the dreams of the cupbearer and the butler, how God's word cuts both ways. One was blessed, restored to their position, and the other one was cursed. He was killed. And those who truly hear God's word will be saved, but those who reject God's word are going to stay stuck in their sin and darkness and have a, um, a, a future that we wouldn't, can't even imagine apart from God. Here, too, seven years of blessing, seven years of curse, right? Plenty and famine. Jesus, the word become flesh, too, he was accepted by people but rejected by many. God's word cuts both ways, and so we want to be sure that we're on the right side. There's a response needed to the good news of our salvation and the good news of Jesus. Nathan and Kayla already now and in the future are discipling Madeline and praying for her to make the promises of baptism and God's grace there her own when she's able to do that. And that's the prayer that every covenant family has for their children. That is what we as a church family support our parents and children in and equip them in, in as many ways as we can and give them support. Six, there's going to be seven, all right? Six, see how the Messiah provides plenty where there is great need. We read that Joseph's plan works, right? They store up a lot of food in those seven years of plenty. God gives them bumper crops to the extent that they stopped keeping records because there was such a huge amount of grain that they were collecting. The grain was that abundant. And because of that plan, because of that preparation during the famine years that followed, when the people became very hungry and cried out for food, they went to Pharaoh. And it's interesting, right? They, what did Pharaoh say? Go to Joseph. Do what he tells you to do. And in that way, the people were provided for in the years of famine. And the Bible tells us that in the famine of our lives, in our great need that we have, our greatest need of all that separates us from God, our, that our sin separates us from God, you know who provides? It's Jesus. When we're spiritually dead, the Father tells us to go to his Son, Jesus, and to do what he says. And he says, repent and believe in me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and be saved. Go to Jesus, says the Father. Psalm 23 says that because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. I'll never have needs. All our needs are supplied through the measureless storehouses of heavenly blessings. Like Paul in 1 Tim, Timothy 1.14 testifies, the grace of the Lord was poured out on me in overflowing fullness along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Seven, and finally, see how the Messiah provides the same for all nations. As our verses end, we found out that the famine isn't just in Egypt. The famine is in the surrounding nations, too. It says in, um, in all the world, I believe, right? In all the world. So all around. They all, from all around the world, people came to buy grain from Joseph. And, and thinking of other nations, the nations around Egypt, that's going to be bringing us next week in the next chapter back to Joseph's brothers since there's famine in Canaan where they live, too. The salvation and plenty that the Father provides through his son, Jesus, that's offered to the whole world. Anyone at all can be saved by repenting of their sin and calling on the name of Jesus. John 6, 37, Jesus said, All who the Father gives to me will come to me, and I will in no way cast them out. What we have as God's people, salvation in Jesus, spiritual food and drink to eternal life, 
we share with all those living in spiritual need and in the famine of their sins. This is central to the identity of the family of God, the church, that we share the blessings, that we share the word, that we share the love of God in Jesus. We do that in countless ways. We do that in loving service for others near and far, especially those in need. We do it in our words to one another and others of comfort and grace. We do that in getting our worship services um, and, and God's word preached and taught out as far and wide as we can. And that's why we do that in such a variety of platforms and ways at faith. Even while we care for one another in the church family and build up one another in the faith and teach the next generations like Madeline, all so important. At the same time, we can't help but work and pray for more and more people to be adopted into God's family and to enjoy the bounty of his grace. We don't keep God's abundance to ourselves. Jesus' spirit came, and after Jesus ascended to the right hand, and he propelled the disciples to share the good news to all nations, members of Jesus' family today, who are sensitive to the Spirit's prompting and who want to be obedient to God's word, want to do the same. And we work and we pray towards that. May he find us, even at Faith Church, faithful in that task of sharing the abundance, even while we build one another up here also to grow deeper and wider in faith. May he find us faithful in those tasks until he comes. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, thank you for the pictures, the glimpses of Jesus and the kingdom uh, that, that you give us in these verses. Help us, help it to make us, Lord, um, ever more bow the knee to King Jesus in our lives because he all he's done and because he is so glorious and reigning from on high and for all his blessings. And we pray that, oh God, we would ever be more faithful citizens of his kingdom and, and faithful uh, as we bow the knee to him, as we put off sin more and more, as we put on the new life more and more. And, oh God, as we also share the abundance that we've been given by your grace with many, many people, empower us to do that, empower us to look beyond ourselves, uh, to serve and to be faithful uh, in that way as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing in response to God's word, Jesus shall reign. Let's stand, let's sing.
have a wonderful Thanksgiving week. Please look out for that previous Thanksgiving Day service and this year's message that we'll be sending out as the week goes on. And we hope and pray that that could be a blessing to you this year. As we have been asked, we're continue to being asked to exit out these front doors and not congregate in the sanctuary. So please do that and then sidewalks kind of, you can circle back around to your cars wherever you're parked, okay? Receive this blessing. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.